welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be taking a look at Electrolux's consumer-centric transformation. I'm excited to be joined today by Christopher Brune, who is the Service Operations Product Manager at Electrolux. Christopher, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you very much. Hello. So this is your first time um, here on the podcast meeting, Christopher, but uh, he and I have had um, a number of conversations and um, he, alongside one of his colleagues, spoke last year at the uh, Stockholm Future Field Service Live Tour event. So happy to have you with us. Uh, before we get into the story of um, the transformation that you have underway, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Um, your role and the Electrolux business. Yes, I can. I can start with uh, saying that I'm really looking forward to the next uh, future of field service event. Uh, <laughs> so Thank yes, you. looking forward to it. Um, I joined Electrolux uh, over four years ago. It was uh, actually not my first contract with Electrolux, though, because I spent two summers during university working in one of our factories, where actually my brother uh, worked uh, at the time as well. So I already had a personal connection to the company uh, before joining uh, this time, I should say. Yeah, and a family connection. Uh, indeed. Now, indeed. he is not still with Electrolux, is he? No, no. No, okay. No. Yeah. But in, in uh, overall, Electrolux Group, leading a global, global appliance company, uh, brands uh, such as Electrolux, of course, AEG, Frigidaire in the US, Zanussi, and uh, more than 100 years old. We celebrated 100 years uh, a few years ago. Headquarters in Stockholm, Sweden, where I'm based. And I am uh, working as a product manager for service operations, tool and processes uh, in Europe. And in Europe, we have a... Um, a landscape within service operations where we have both employed service technicians and also, of course, uh, service partners. So within a country, can, we can have a mix of both employed uh, service engineers and, and service partners. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So that kind of lays the land. Now, I think one of the most important things you said there is a hundred year legacy, right? And we transformation is is hard overall, um, but it can be particularly hard for companies that have this deep, rich legacy because you're really digging in and changing the way that people have worked for quite a long time, right? Now at Electrolux, um, I love the way that this transformation is structured because it's in my opinion, the way it should be done. You're, it's not a transformation for transformation's sake or this concept of, well, we just need to be modern. So let's do X, Y, and Z. It's consumer centric. So it's centered around your customers, how their needs, expectations, preferences have changed, and then matching internally how you need to adapt to that uh, in terms of whatever transformation it entails. So we're going to talk, obviously, mostly today about service because it's the future of field service and you're in service. But 
I guess to start, just broadly explain to people sort of um, the drivers for this overall company quest of consumer-centered transformation. I think uh, we are like many companies, uh, and it, it, this is a few years before I joined even, but, but uh, us and, and also many companies with us at the time, or let's say a decade ago or so, was more or less looking at consumer interaction as a necessary evil. Mm -hmm. uh, basically discussing how to reduce consumer contacts. While, of course, we and many others uh, shifted uh, that mindset to instead, I mean, today the, the Electrolux Group purpose uh, is, is around shaping living for the better, shaping living for the better for the consumer, where basically our products and services are, are simply helping consumers in their lives. Mm -hmm. Can be, um, instead of just having a, a, an, an oven, uh, instead that we are making great tasting, healthy food for friends and family. Mm -hmm. We help consumers care for their clothes by, by mm -hmm. making them stay new, great looking for longer. These kind of thoughts and, 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 and messages and, and, and um, visions, basically. Mm -hmm. And related to that, of course, it means that we would like to have as much data as possible across mm -hmm. the consumer journey and, and where we can, of course, also own the, the, the touch points to, to a greater extent. And, and the focus has been uh, for, 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 for many years now to, to make it easy for our consumers to interact uh, with us as at every stage of their mm -hmm. uh, journey with us, from purchase and ownership, etc. And um, yeah, with, with that, we have restructured the entire organization around this uh, uh, new, new uh, mindset. Um, and of course, a lot of initiatives around, around uh, having the consumer at the heart of the business model, uh, both central, of course, but a lot of focus uh, locally uh, out in the countries in, in how to work in, in making the consumers happier. Mm -hmm. So uh, it has been an, an extremely impressive journey, uh, I must say. Uh, although I wasn't part of it from from beginning, but just looking at our NPS and CSAT curves, mm -hmm. it's, it's ex extremely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you telling that story is representative of the trajectory of, you know, viewing service as a cost center. So to your point, it was, you know, not that those customer interactions were a nuisance, but it was something to be minimized. It was something to be you know, uh, as efficient as possible, not something like you're saying now to put at the heart of the business. So an opportunity to understand, you know, what do they value? What do they want? And how can we take that insight and use it to differentiate ourselves, right? And to add more um, value or become their brand of preference, et cetera. So, um, I think what's interesting to me is that, you know, a lot of organizations recognize the opportunity of service as a profit center versus a cost center. But 
for a variety of reasons, they don't actually tackle their transformation through the lens of customer centricity. And so that's what I think is is good about Electrolux is this recognition of, okay, so there's an opportunity to change. We need to do that by orienting what we do around what our customers want, need, and value, right? A lot of times companies can assume they know like, okay, well, if we do this, we'll be better. And then our customers, you know, will feel that impact, but they're not really like positioning the, uh, the need for that journey around that customer experience. So I think that's a, a really positive mindset. And, you know, it, it also, it's a good anchor for a lot of the change, right? So, you know, we'll get into this a bit later, but change is hard. So if you can tie that to we're doing this for our customers and here's why, here's how, versus we're just doing this, you know, period, right? Yeah, and especially if you're doing it as an organization instead of just one or two roles within the organization that should drive this and try to influence the others. Here, we basically restructure the entire business model, purpose, organizational structure, all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to and, and I think, of course, that it takes a lot of courage to do that and, yes. and a lot of hard work, uh, obviously. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially from a, a business that has a hundred years of, of history, you know, I was Definitely. Definitely. being interviewed by someone the other day that's working on um, uh, like a thesis and they're looking at, you know, different service business models. And they said, well, what's the difference between a company that will take this on and a company that won't? And I said, honestly, it a lot of it is leadership. Uh, it's mentality, because to your point, it's you know, complacency is very appealing for a lot of folks and it does take courage to change. And I think it's, um, this, this journey that you're on is one that people will have to embark on one way or another, you know, at some point, right. But making the decision to do it proactively and, you know, um, go this, go this road is, is definitely courageous. Um, so, this is a journey at Electrolux to to the point we just talked about. It spans more. This is not just a service transformation. It's a company-wide consumer-centric transformation. Obviously, service plays a big part in that. So let's talk about that part specifically. Like, what is the contributing factors of service? And, you know, how have you looked at the ways in which service needs to evolve to contribute appropriately to the company's mission? Mm, I I mean, I mentioned the purpose before and, and beneath the purpose, we have also three drivers. So that is act sustainable, uh, create better experience and always improve. And I think service operation ties into to to, to actually all of these three drivers one way or another. So it actually plays quite a big part in our overall strategy. And, and, and in short, it's all about the consumers today uh, and, 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 and always has been, I guess, they expect a smooth service appointment booking. So if something is wrong with my appliance, uh, I, would like, uh, I would like it to be easy to, to, to book uh, a visit. Obviously, since it's an appliance, I very often would like 
technician to be here as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and with the information and reminders, perhaps, leading up to the visit. And I also expect that the technician should solve it first visit. Because otherwise I can't, call, can't cook for, for another two days or, or, or whatever that can be. And obviously, on top of that, I expect the technician to be uh, tidy, professional, uh, etc. Right? And I mean, our technicians, they have an extremely difficult uh, task at hand here because they are in some of the most private environments of all, consumers' bathrooms or, or, mm-hmm. or kitchens, basically. And mm-hmm. often, I mean, the, the consumer needs to be home uh, and, and they are often quite interested in, in what the technician is doing and, and worried, of course. Will I be able to, to, um, to, to do the laundry tonight or not, basically? So yeah. it, it's a quite stressful um, experience, if you think about it from, from that perspective, considering service technician in other industries, for example, B2B, uh, with the planned maintenance, etc. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, basically... Uh, yeah, we needed uh, tools and, and, and processes that, that could support uh, the, this, um, this uh, to, to meet the consumer's expectations around this. So, so for example, then, we, would, we needed an optimization engine that, that could help us utilize the technicians in a way that uh, we could reach maximum number of consumers in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or uh, given the, the act sustainable uh, aspect, for example, drive less kilometers per job. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, it ties in to, to so many of of, of the, the company's overall uh, strategy, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, you know, this evolution that we've seen in you know the way customers were approached, perceived, um, communicated with. 10, 15 years ago versus today, you know, the expectations are significant for a brand like Electrolux to keep up with. And I think that it bleeds into a B2B environment for sure. Like the expectations we have in our personal lives are influencing the expectations, uh, you know, in the B2B service landscape. But consumers of all, like, the tolerance level is very low, you know, because we've just become accustomed to the real-time visibility and the, you know, ease of logging onto an app and, you know, all of those things. So um, it, it's a lot to to keep up with. Um, so you, so you're looking at, okay, how do we take these expectations and how do we, in part, Part of the solution is is leverage technology that will help us manage that complexity so that the outcome for the customer is a seamless experience, um, being there as quickly as possible, first time fix, et cetera. Um, So you landed on IFS uh, as your um, service management provider. And then a few weeks into the project, COVID hits. that's a, a major, major, major disruption at the beginning of what is already a very big uh, transformation project. So talk a little bit about, you know, what that meant and how you adapted and, and managed to move the project ahead and, and stay focused on, um, you know, the, the transformation. 
Yeah, <clears throat> I, I actually remember more or less when 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 COVID hit the project, so to say. It, it was a Friday Friday evening, and 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 we had a we had planned a workshop the week after in Stockholm, physical uh, workshop where people were flying in from uh, from all of Europe, uh, and. Uh, uh, this Friday afternoon, we all received uh, text messages from Electrolux, uh, basically with the instructions around uh, physical meetings with immediate effect. So, the, of course, um, the, the, the chat, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, quite a crazy Friday evening uh, from that mm -hmm. sense, but we basically moved it from, from physical then to online without, within just a few um, a, a, a few hours and and Electrolux at least in in Swedish standards they were very early and very proactive uh, in, in when this hit and we were actually weeks before other companies in in limiting physical meetings uh, and and really putting our own restrictions in place before uh, actually it was uh, it was forced upon us. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I, I must say I'm, I was very impressed by, by how, how that was handled by, by the company. Mm -hmm. And of course, also we had um, uh, office restrictions uh, immediately as well. But I think also that um, moving one, one day to another from, from physical meetings, online meetings only, we were also able to come together as a group very mm -hmm. well, although a very big group. Uh, but but we were able to do that in a very short amount of time, I must say, uh, and it it can be a natural effect with a external threat like like COVID, right? But 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 it really we, we really did it, and and we had a great team doing the best with the situation at hand, the, mm -hmm. uh, basically. And and I mean, we have been struggling as well to find our new ways of working in 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 the in the new world especially on the meeting meetings booked versus meetings needed and, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I guess at least uh, other uh, organizations to struggle with <laughs> with that as well because in in an online world it's so much easier to book an appointment really mm -hmm. uh, yeah so it's e and, and it's also e easier to add more people than really needed because it's just a click away to add one more right mm -hmm. um, instead of meeting in a room face to face because if you do that everyone should be contributing more or less but it's right. it's, it's slightly different online and and of course i mean we we sat centrally both in stockholm in in in, in the headquarters but uh, and working remote with a with a local pilot uh, uh, country, implementing a solution that was new to us, new to them. Uh, so, so of of course we would like to have met the local organization much, much, much more, uh, and and of course the end users, but also the the local project team. But I must say that I'm very impressed in, in how everyone involved in this change uh, and, and, and with a the positive attitude, I must say, because the local team uh, came from an unsuccessful pilot just before this pilot, where they, rather than complaining, just went on the horseback again, more or less, and, and delivered this pilot instead. 
with mm-hmm. very good business results uh, so far. Very, very good transformation work. And and they, and I think that this was a part of, of, of that success, uh, the pilot country and all the other countries that will be using the solution were part of making the decision which solution to go for. So we involved all the end, all the all, not, I wouldn't say the end users, but the countries that will be using the mm-hmm. solution. We involved them all in the decision process with the central uh, people, of course, as well. <clears throat> and and on top of that, uh, on, on top of the the local team, we have the central team based in in several countries uh, and and working in, in periods more or less day and night to deliver. So it's, it's, it has been extremely impressive to see also from, from the, the big change that COVID brought uh, on top of, of, of everything else that, mm-hmm. uh, that needed to be done, basically. Yeah. So, all right. So you have the, the central teams and the, the local teams working together. You mentioned that Prior to deciding to um, implement IFS, uh, you had had a pilot of a different solution um, that that failed, and so I think that's important to mention. Mention just because it contributes to the complexity of managing the change, right? So you. I, I think it is amazing that the teams reacted the way they did because they could have just been frustrated by that experience and and let that kind of blend into negativity. And instead, they, like you said, got back on the horse, they were invested in in this project and choosing a solution and all of that. But I think, you know, to have to change gears and do this entirely remotely um, is is really, really tough, you know, because this idea of change management um, is is really the biggest challenge most companies face in a service transformation. And so removing the opportunity to, you know, interact in person. But like you said, you, you know, when you're doing it remote, there's so much that changes. Like people can kind of hide in the meeting, you know, and not contribute. It's harder to read if people are, you know, okay, or if they're frustrated or if they're struggling, like there's all these things that become more complex. So I think it's incredible that you all pulled together and, you know, stayed focused and, you know, figured out how to navigate that and, and still progress. Um, Is there anything from that experience that, stands out as like a lesson learned. You know what I mean? Like, ha- like, how do you think, particularly the local teams, like, what do you think it was about their mindset that allowed them to not kind of get negative, but stay focused on moving ahead? I, I think it's, it's very much, um, <clears throat> a leadership uh, question this uh, and and uh, the, the attitude and and the atmosphere that 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 we leaders uh, and of course also locally in, in that country uh, uh, provided and and uh, was uh, the, the messages they were sending locally basically and and uh, and I must say also it's it's quite impressive that we dared to say that the previous solution was not what we wanted 
and mm-hmm. let's take another route because that is expensive, that is time consuming, that is the hard way out instead mm-hmm. of trying to fit uh, whatever process into a solution that is not really fit for that purpose. I mean, you, um, I'm sure that 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 other companies um, and, and we ourselves uh, likely in the past would have gone that route instead because that is easier. We have invested so much to this point, so let's continue do that instead of just taking a completely different route. And I think also that um, <clears throat> mindset together with that uh, this country and, and all the countries were part of the, the new solution, the new um, route forward, that that also led to, to, that, um, to that mindset, to that mm-hmm. approach in the end. Because everyone got what they wanted this time, mm-hmm. so to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right that, you know, that that is a hard decision to make. Um, and maybe part of the mentality going into this project was an appreciation for the fact that the company was willing to start fresh and say, okay, let's get what we need to get. And, you know, we're listening, we hear you that this isn't going well. So let's stop and, you know, work together to find the right thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, So another aspect you shared uh, with me that I thought was really um, interesting and impressive is that uh, 50% of the European implementation team working on this project are women, um, which is awesome. Uh, And and not, you know, always the case or often the case in uh, service. Um, So I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on how do you feel like having that diversity of thought, you know, contributed to the success of the project? Uh, first of all, Electrolux Group is working extremely hard as a company with uh, with what we call diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. uh, where gender is one part, and it's part of the yearly sustainability sustainability report, report uh, available on our website. And the vision there is to become a leader in diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, we do a lot of initiatives around this, uh, internally, of course, but also externally. So we partner with a yearly event in Stockholm called Women in Tech, for example. Um, and, and the past few years, at least I've seen an, an, an increase uh, within the, the, the share of women working in the projects where I've been involved, at least, so so I, I'm I'm quite impressed by by this. It's it's you can see that we as a company is 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 succeeding in this, and, and I mean traditionally, uh, we we talk about contact center mainly women and mm-hmm. service operations mostly men, right? Mm-hmm. That's so, and I think that 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 is changing. It's changing now, and it's. It changed just, I mean, uh, since since I joined, this has changed. So just the four, four and a half years where I've been here, I, I, I see a, a big change uh, mm-hmm. in this. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, if we take it also <clears throat> uh, to, to also uh, other nationalities, if we take that approach, I mean, we have a central team uh, based in a variety of countries across Europe, Spain, mm-hmm. Belgium, Poland, Denmark, and, and also in, in the Stockholm headquarters, we have so many nationalities working under the same roof. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, a, it's a fantastic mix of, of both uh, 
nationalities and, and locations and gender, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, we, we, we have effects of that in terms of not being as streamlined. Uh, new angles, new ideas, or creativity, I guess is, mm -hmm. is the word I'm looking for. So, so there are a lot of synergies to, 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 to come from this. And, and of course, it's, it could be easier to do if you're a really big company, of course. But, but I, 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 I think it's, it's quite, um, quite, uh, quite cool to be a part of, of, of a company working very hard with this. I, I think yeah. it's, uh, for the employees, it's something to be proud of. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you take it back to the overall mission we're talking about, which is this consumer centric transformation, <clears throat> yes. um, you know, I have to imagine like you have diverse consumers, right? And so yes. putting a focus on creating an organization that is representative of your customer base, you know, helps a lot with being able to, you know, bring in different perspectives of um, what would be helpful in, in the transformation. And I think that, you know, companies, you know, DEI is a huge topic right now, but it, it's one that there's a big difference between companies that are just paying attention to it to sort of check a box and companies that are making real progress. And I think that progress comes from a recognition of how the diversity of thought, it's not about we need X percent women, we need X percent this type of person, this type of person, et cetera. It's about knowing that the more diversity you bring in, the more creativity, the more perspective, insights, skill sets, and the better that helps you be if you're you know, looking to innovate and transform and evolve. Um, so I think that's really cool. And I think, you know, 50% women um, in service operations, uh, you know, in, in a European team is, is a really, really good example of that work paying off and, um, you know, benefiting the organization. So, um, yeah. All right. So, here we are, uh, you know, midway through through the journey or partway through the journey. Um, and Electrolux has some guiding principles in place to kind of keep you focused on the, the consumer-centric transformation initiative. Um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about what those are, where you are today, you know, what your thoughts are on on what comes next. Okay. So um there, I'm going to list them off and then you just talk about however you want to talk about. But there's the consumer experience, the employee or what you often call end user experience, um, the idea of exceptions only, meaning automate whatever is possible to automate, um, information sharing and collaboration and performance visualization. So these are kind of like the five pillars. So can you share a little bit about, you know, where you're at, where you're going, and um, you know how how you're using those principles to stay focused. Yeah, and I can mention that uh, this is um, this is a service operations product vision, and and our base try also to connect the, the overall strategy <laughs> from the company of overall business model into 
into how our processes, functionalities, uh, and and uh, features basically fit into the bigger picture. And and um, <clears throat> I don't I don't really ha have the the how to all of these yet. So it's uh, it's it's basically themes where we would like to evolve, where we would mm -hmm. like to build, where we would like, and, and I can say that. We're not running short of things we want to do at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, but, but rather it's a hard work of, of prioritizing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, we can start with the uh, the heart of the business model again, the, the consumer experience. And, and remember that uh, they, they would like us to be there as quick as possible, solve it first, try being informed leading up to the visit. Um, and, and we have seen very, very good results in both, both uh, CSET and, and NPS since go live. And, and functionalities here will, of course, be going forward, uh, route optimization engine, uh, the, 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 the new functionalities coming there. Uh, so uh, there, of course, I, 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 I will very, or I will uh, explore uh, future possibilities with IFS going, going forward in, in mm -hmm. how we can make that even, even better. And, and of course, uh, also, how can we forecast our workforce in, in terms of what happens with the different scenarios? So what happens mm -hmm. if, if uh, uh, service repair volumes drops by 20%? Where, where, um, what, what, what would that mean in terms of our workforce forecasting? Because the data is there in the, in the system, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we are doing this outside the system, but how can we tie those uh, processes and, and tools now together? And maybe we have some uh, machine learning, maybe we have some AI on top of, of this as well. Um, so I think there we have uh, a lot of possibilities going forward mm -hmm. to, to in, in that area. Uh, if we then go into the end user experience, and, and it can, to your point, it can be both employed, uh, but also service partners. Uh, mm -hmm. But we, yeah, the end users, they would like a system that is uh, intuitive, uh, efficient, and value adding. Um, and, and basically, here we're looking into also connecting everything in one place. So if we have a system, where everything the end user needs in their daily work, and, and also it could be less frequent, such as uh, working with Electrolux. Why, what, what do I need there? What kind of systems? What kind of um, information do I need for, as a service partner? Then everything should be in one place. It's, the, the, the time needs to be over very soon, at least, where, where, uh, where a user or working with Electrolux needs, I don't know, five, ten different logins to different uh, places. Um, mm -hmm. And I heard, uh, or I read, I, sorry, I should, I, I don't remember where now, um, but I, I read somewhere that technicians are not afraid of technology. They are afraid of bad technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that's our responsibility, not to bring bad technology. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and, and uh, uh, very quickly, you, you mentioned it, but uh, around the automation and validation exception handling, uh, basically, I, I think, and this ties back also to one of the drivers uh, around uh, always improve, uh, because we should all always review our processes and, and see whether we can reduce rep repetitive work and, mm -hmm. and instead move to, to more value-adding uh, work. Uh, 
because I mean, yeah, we, we should basically always reserve capacity to improve these things. Uh, and but because it's so easy that you define a process, you go live, and then that's it, basically. Mm -hmm. And then you work on new things. But but I think, uh, and this is, of course, tightly connected also to the end user experience, but, but here we will have a lot to do always, uh, mm -hmm. I should say. Yeah, just keeping keeping up to date and continually exactly. improving, like you said, yeah. Yes, and, and also, of course, preventing end users to to enter uh, incorrect combinations of different fields, etc. I mean, it's quite easy to 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 uh, to prevent that these days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And if we go then to to information sharing and collaboration, uh, it's basically a a statement, and, and this is my statement, I guess. But basically, new technology enables new ways of sharing information mm -hmm. and collaborating and driving business results. What can we do with that? What can we do with this new new technology? So, so, and one of the questions we are working with is around how can we provide the employee technician or our service partner technicians with just enough details to successfully execute the service repair? Mm -hmm. And that is basically information, of course, from the consumer during the booking, for, for information from the past, from similar visits, uh, and and of course also to with the, the experience we have with this with this consumer etc. But how can we tie everything together and share that information to prepare the technician for the visit as, as one of the examples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in terms of, of uh, in terms of the last theme, a performance visualization and reporting KPIs dashboards etc. But but one thing I really would like to dig into um, one day is uh, gamification uh, and, and basically what gamification within a service operations landscape could look like. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, here, I'm, if if there are others out there with this experience, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm very interested. But but basically, how can we how can we make uh, our teams, our end users, competing with each other, with with themselves? Uh, streaks, for example, could that be something to look into? You you completed ten uh, successful visits in a row. Uh, here's uh, here's a. Uh, I don't know a recognition at least mm -hmm. uh, or yeah. a notification around it, and uh, and 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 also it, I would like to build it evolving around the the, the consumer. Mm -hmm. So rather than focus on how many visits we have executed, for example, look at it how many consumers we have helped. So right. so yeah, tying back to to the consumer centricity there as well. But that would be really interesting to look into. Yeah. So. So like you said earlier, there's no lack of, of things you know you'd like to do. It's just a matter of, uh, of moving ahead. And I think that's good. You know, it, it's, it's really representative of how, you know, the use of technology has changed. You know, similar to we talked about where consumers were a decade ago versus today. I mean, technology a decade ago versus today, you used to take a, a solution, deploy it, let it do its thing and and move on to something else. And, you know, with the sophistication we have today, there's always ways to continue to 
improve upon what you have and look for, okay, well, we have this capability. I bet we could also use this in this way or over here, right? So, you know, the goal isn't to just put something in place, achieve the the uh, minimum, you know, possible performance and then let it let it roll. The idea is to invest in a solution that you know you can get more out of over time and can grow with with the business. So that makes sense. Um, and it's good to have a to-do list. Keeps us uh, keeps us busy. <laughs> um, can you uh, just share quickly, um, you know, you're you're still in the process of of deploying the service management solution, but what have you seen so far? Um, you know, where are you at with that today? Uh, two, two things on top of mind. First one is the importance of involving uh, uh, the end users. Uh, and, and maybe no, no use these days, but, but uh, we, we, if we do the homework beforehand, if we understand where they come from, and, and, and the, the current processes, their current challenges, because if we can tackle a few of these, we already have a quick wins in the transformation journey already there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and if we can have them involved across basically from business requirement gathering to, to design phase, and then from there on, we already have a win there because they have been part of this. And, and we haven't made these uh, stupid central... Uh, um, this bad technology, basically, that I referred to earlier. So, so we have a win already there, also on the transformation side of it. Mm -hmm. And we have, on, on top of that, we have a, we have better processes. Like mm -hmm. so, so uh, I think it's it's a given. And and the last, uh, so, yeah, the second one is is um, around simulation beforehand. Uh, we we now have a system that that where, which offers this. And I think the times we spent before go live simulating different scenarios, simulating different uh, optimizer settings, it paid off after mm -hmm. go live because we didn't impact the consumer uh, in, in the consumers in that extent that we could have done if we went live and then, uh, yeah, set the mixed with the settings afterwards, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I'm quite confident that we had a positive impact on the consumers, uh, actually. Um, and of course, from a transformational side here as well, if we involve the key users that will be working with the resource uh, 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 optimizer, they are in involved in these simulations. So they build understanding from the tool. They, 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 they also feel, I mean, they, they have the ownership of the settings earlier. Mm -hmm. And and we we all also have that already from that point instead of having that from the go live or from the training later on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now you mentioned earlier that you've mm -hmm. seen um, improvements in CSAT and NPS. Um, what about the objectives of increasing visits per day, reducing kilometers per job? Where are we at as far as achieving those objectives? So we have seen a positive uh, impact in, in both of these areas as well. So we, we are uh, doing more service repairs per job now, uh, mm -hmm. uh, service repairs per day than before. And of course, uh, uh, driven kilometers is also less now. So, so uh, we have seen both of them uh, f f from the go live, mm -hmm. which is, of course, really impressive. 
And I think, you know, this is the the goal is looking at those things and how they all intersect, right? So with a tool like uh, IFS PSO, so that's what we're talking about, like a, an AI-based planning and scheduling optimization, you know, the goal is to be able to do more visits per day, but not just to do them, to do them in a way that ties to those increases in CSAT and NPS or contributes to that, right? And to reduce miles without affecting that that consumer experience. And so that goes back to, you know, the objective is to do these things, to make these improvements within the business that all contribute to this better consumer experience, you know? So it, it's not about, well, we achieved one of these goals, but you know, unfortunately, we didn't hit the other two. If you can do it the right way, you can achieve them, you know, simultaneously. So um, last question uh, is for you as a leader, um, what is the most important lesson you've learned uh, in this journey? It's, uh, I know that I sound like Michael Scott in the TV series The Office uh, or, or David Brent for, for UK listeners. Yeah. But it is to have fun. Uh, mm. and, and basically, what does that mean uh, in, in this context? Uh, basically, in implementations like these, I would argue, independent of company, that everyone is under a lot of pressure, uh, at least during uh, time periods, right? So, mm -hmm. so, so basically, how can we as leaders support our teams, in, in, especially like we talked about uh, earlier today, in an online world, right? Mm -hmm. And, and how can we recognize good behavior and good performance? And, and how can we motivate? How can we inspire in front of a webcam? And, and um, I think definitely um, if we as, as, as product managers, and now in this case for, for the service operations, we are responsible basically to connect what we are doing to, in this case, Electrolux Group's business model and strategy. Everyone mm -hmm. needs to be on the same page, how what we are doing today impacts the entire business model, how the entire vision, how the entire strategy. And, and I think we, in order to have, to have more fun or at least to be more motivated, we would need, we would need to have a clear and under, understandable product vision mm -hmm. connected to this strategy. Uh, so we understand why why we are building what we are building, why this mm -hmm. feature is important. And of course, like we said, a sense of belonging in an online world, it's hard. It, just a few years ago, we shaked hand, hand as hello to, to, in a meeting, right? And now the standard hello phrase is, is can you hear me? Mm -hmm. and, and I think we, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of things still to, to do here in this online-oriented world. Uh, and... I learned a lot, but I, 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 I guess it's, uh, I, I fortunately have a lot to learn around, <laughs> around that as well. I think that's such a good answer because, you know, you're right. The, the transformation itself is pressure. Obviously, we talked about how that was compounded in, in this case by COVID hitting, which, you know, was an immense amount of, of stress and angst for a lot of people on top of work, right? Um, and, and there's always going to be something, right? And, and so looking for the opportunities to have fun, you know, and as a leader, remembering that 
in so many ways, your attitude and your mindset sets the stage, right? And, you know, people will mirror and mimic that, you know, so if you can look for ways to be enthusiastic and celebrate the wins, even the little ones and and have fun and make people feel connected, you know, then it's a lot easier for them to handle that change and to show up with the mindset of, yeah, we can do this because we're all in it together, you know, versus it being some frustrating task that they're being mandated to do. So I think that's a really important answer. I like it. Good. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for coming and sharing uh, your experiences um, with uh, our listeners. Uh, I always enjoy talking with you and um, we'll we'll have you back at some point in the future to, to see where things are at and, and how the continual improvement journey is going. Um, but in the meantime, um, look forward to seeing you in Stockholm soon. Very good. See you soon. All right. You can find more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Future of Field Service Insider, which is how you can make sure the latest content is delivered to you every other week in your inbox. Also check out the live tour schedule so that you can join us at the location nearest you. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.